0: Lord, uh, come and be with us this morning. Come be with our hearts. Come reign in us, God. Lord, all that we can ask is that uh, you be you, which is more awesome than we can imagine. Come down and uh, be with us this morning, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sean. Thanks, everybody want to reinforce an announcement Pastor Bob made earlier. Uh, we have an opportunity to bless and encourage and equip our sister church in Derryvous, Haiti. Um, RMI uh, which is the organization we're working with partnering with to have a sister church. they sent one of their staff people up to uh, the church and you'd have to understand what just to get up there is a process. But anyway, uh, Benson went up and uh, met with the pastor and the deacons, and uh, they have a formula that they work out. Anyway, they they could use 250 Bibles and 100 hymnals. There's a mix of French and Creole, Haitian Creole, of the Bibles and the hymnals, um, and they work that out, what, what works best for everybody. But here's an example. This is a Haitian Creole Bible, and for us to get it through Amazon to uh, Walloon Lake, I think was 12, 13 bucks. But, but they're going to get them and ship them, and then pick them up and then deliver them for 950 each, which is really uh, a really nice uh, price. So if you'd like to help be a part of that, there's a table out there in the hallway. Uh, I think as of this morning, we are about one-third of the way there. So uh, this is good. Uh, we will be uh, introducing and rolling out our next uh, trip to Derivoo pretty soon, so uh, you might want to be thinking and praying if the Lord might have uh, you to be on that next uh, visit to our sister church. Uh, today, we're going to talk about living strong for Jesus, and hopefully, all of you are—you uh, know—you're like, "I'm, I'm, I'm in it to win it. Uh, I'm, I'm here." And I'm daily digging into God's Word, and uh, daily I'm uh, making it a priority to walk with Jesus, and if I fall, I'm not staying down. I'm doing the U-turn, I'm running to the cross and confessing. Uh, Daily fighting to be filled with the Holy Spirit and allow Jesus and His Spirit to take charge in your life. Um, So when we're doing it God's way, think with me... um, what can we expect? What can we expect? You know, some of you are thinking, you know, it was a little effort to get here this morning, right, Penny? You know, you took, took some time, took some energy, uh, had to drive here, um, been singing. You know, Pastor Jeff, I actually sang this morning some. Uh, that, nice job. Uh, actually put, put a few uh, green things in the offering plate. Nice job. Now, here's my question. What can we expect... If we're living strong and daily for Jesus, um, what's going to happen in return? And it's become pretty popular today to think this way. If I do it God's way, and, and Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll do all the stuff that I know I'm supposed to be doing, and, and I'll live strong for you, and I'll daily find time to read your book and, and get fed spiritually, and, and daily I'm, I'm going to worship your Son, and I'm going to make sure... I'm yielded and surrendered, and, and I'm going to work hard. I'm going to show up on Sundays, and I'm serving. I'm doing my part. Now, expectation uh, in return, Lord, uh, I expect you to bless. <laughs> I, I expect you now to, uh, to protect. And, and I'm expecting in return that I sort of get kind of a pass from the trouble and the trials of life. Um, so here's my question is that a reasonable expectation? Should we be looking for Jesus to insulate us from pain and suffering and Satan's attack if we're living strong for Jesus? Is that something that we should be expecting in return? Take your Bibles. Turn with me to Acts chapter 16. And uh, we'll find out. Acts chapter 16. Paul and Barnabas, the end of chapter 15, they had a little uh, little mini conflict. Uh, they, they, they had sharp words. They part company. Uh, Barnabas takes John Mark, and they head out, and now Paul chooses a man named Silas. And uh, now, Silas, you're with me, and we're going to head off on the second missionary journey. Um, most Scholars would argue that along with Paul and Silas was the writer of the book of Acts. And his name is, anybody remember? Who, who's the writer of the book of Acts? Dr. Luke. So, and, and the reason they conclude that is a lot of the time when he's writing, it says we. And, and we went there and we boarded a ship. And we. So it, it seems that the writer was a part of the team and then in verses 1 through 4, uh, 1 through 5, they, uh, they go through Derby, and they add another member of the team, and his name is Timothy. So we've got Paul and Silas and Dr. Luke and Timothy, and now they're on the second missionary trip. Uh, in verses 6 to 10, it's kind of interesting. We're not going to take the time to dig in there, but Paul is prevented from going further north, up into Asia proper. And he wanted to go north and go into Asia. And the Lord says, no, no, I I don't want you going there right now. I want you to turn west. And it's pretty interesting how that all occurs. And they wind up in a city named Philippi. Philippi. Um, That was a Roman colony. It was a really large city. It was the largest city in Macedonia at the time and they meet a woman named Lydia. Anybody remember what's Lydia known for? She she was the a buyer and a seller of anybody anybody purple. Yeah, she she was the original purple people eater. And anyway, Lydia hears about Jesus, she says yes to Jesus and is baptized and then her home becomes Paul and Silas, Dr. Luke and Timothy's bed and breakfast. It's like mission central and she takes care of them, and she seems to feed them. So at least in my mind, I picture Paul and Silas, Dr. Luke and Timothy, they head out into Philippi in brand new purple suits, and they're going to head out, and they're going to share about Jesus. So they've traveled a thousand miles, traveled through Syria and Galatia and Asia Minor, over mountains and deserts, get on a boat, cross the Aegean Sea, to Neapolis, then on to Philippi, and now they're all in it, okay? They've, they've sacrificed, they've risked it all, and now they're in Philippi. Seems to me that God should bless them, don't you think? Seems to me that they could expect some protection, and, you know, the Lord's going to make sure that they're insulated from trouble and trial and difficulty, right? Seems like that's how it should work out, Right? Uh, Acts chapter 16, uh, slide down to verse 16. It's on the back of your bulletin. If you don't have your Bible, let's stand together. We'll read Acts 16:16 16, 16 to 24 together. 16, 16, Thank you, Ruth. Here we go. Let's read. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into the prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for recording this little piece of history, and uh, thanks for showing us what uh, went on there in Philippi. And and Lord, I believe that your word uh, is still relevant and has lessons and principles that we need to grab a hold of. So teach us today, Lord, from your word, from your book. Um, I pray that you'll help Jeff to get out of the way. Lord, we need to hear from you. We need to hear from your spirit. And I just say, Lord, speak right now. Your church here at Walloon, we're listening. We welcome the third person of the Trinity, Jesus in spirit form. Lord, we're asking that uh, you might have freedom to flow in this place. Flow in each and every heart and mind and soul and will. And, And Lord, right now we choose to yield and surrender to you. So you come and take charge And uh, help us to hear clearly from you. And all the church gathered at Walloon Lake said strongly. Nice job. You may be seated. Acts 16.16. Pretty interesting. A slave girl. So clearly someone had purchased her. Um, And what was interesting is... She was inhabited by an evil spirit. Um, she was inhabited by a fallen angel. Um, a fallen angel, one that fell with Satan when re- they rebelled, uh, Satan and his demonic team, they are demons, okay? So a demon has taken up residence in this girl's body. You tracking? So you got a demon, and now this demon inhabiting this girl's body enables her to do some extraordinary stuff. Uh, she's able to, apparently there was some validity to this, uh, because people saw that what she actually said had some, some power. She, she had some, some power that wasn't normal. It was extra, and we know it's because she was possessed by a demon. Um, This demon-possessed slave girl follows Paul and Silas around. Look at verse 17. Can you imagine? And everywhere they go around the city of Philippi, she is shouting, These men, servants of the Most High God, they're telling you the way to be saved. And she just keeps it up over and over and over again. Um, Well, why would she be following Paul and Silas and shouting that, look at verse 18, for many days? Everywhere they go, she's shouting. And she's shouting and letting... Now, what's interesting is what she's saying is true. But why is she walking around and shouting about them being the servants of the real God and telling you the way to be saved? Well, first of all, I think she just wanted to annoy them. Uh, I think she just wanted to make them a little crazy. Uh, It would be difficult to concentrate. So everywhere they're going, you got this shouting going on in the background. And it would not only be difficult for them to speak, but imagine the people who are trying to listen and to concentrate. So I I think she was trying to just throw them off their game a bit. Uh, Secondly, I think she knew that uh, her rude and obnoxious behavior would just kind of send some people away. Uh, it's too much. It's too much noise. I'm just... And some people would just leave because they didn't want to hear all this yelling and screaming. I think more likely, though, she wanted to link her power with the power of Paul and Silas and Jesus Christ. I think she wanted people to think that I'm with them. I, I, I'm on their side, and, and I'm a part of their team. And uh, obviously she wasn't, but she was hoping that people would think that she was on the same team as them. Um, second question. Can people today be possessed by a demon? And uh, now, now we're heading into today, 2014. Does that still happen? And, and, and I would argue, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, demons haven't been uh, banished. Uh, they are still here on earth. We haven't gotten to the book of Revelation where they'll be done away with and uh, sealed and, and sent into the lake of fire. That's not come yet, Right? So they're still around, um, I would argue, in the United States, um, they work real hard to hide behind things that, well, that, that's, just, uh, in a or, uh, that's just a compulsion, or that's just a sickness, or we put labels on what oftentimes, listen, oftentimes is satanic, demonic activity. We just kind of put a label on it, and we just sort of, I, I don't want to even think about the fact that there might actually be a demon involved in that situation. So the answer is, yeah, there, there is at times some extraordinary stuff that goes on and it's demonic powered. Yes, that stuff still goes on. Um, so when you are going to someone and they tell you they can predict the future in some way, just think about the options here. Um, they're fakes. They're frauds, they're phonies, they're hucksters, and they just want your money. Or the other option is that it might actually be some power there, and it's demonic-inspired power, so now you're, you're messing around with Satan and his lieutenants. If you just give that some thought, suddenly you realize yeah, that those aren't good options. Okay? Uh, can a Christian be demon-possessed? I get asked that quite often. Uh, here's my answer. You ready? Matthew twelve twenty nine. Just jot it down. You can look it up later. But Jesus says no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Listen closely. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, who's the strong man in us? Who is it, Jay? It's Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I'm just telling you that there's no one Powerful enough, they're going to come into my life and tie up Jesus, king of the universe, and tie him up and take away and take charge. Never going to happen. I'll give you another verse. 1 John 4, four. Greater is he that is in me, in us, Jesus, than he that's in the world, uh, Satan and his demons. Um, however, a lot of times we go, Oh, see, uh, I'm bigger, I'm stronger, Satan and his demons, you can't touch me. Uh, Listen close. Uh, If, however, through a steady diet of uh, satanic-inspired occultic practices, we're feeding on a a, a bunch of garbage like that, what do you mean? I'm talking about horror, slasher, movies, books, music, television, pornography, Um, all that kind of garbage, if you feed on that stuff regularly, I just want you to know, okay, you as a Christian can't be possessed, but you can be influenced and controlled from the outside. You tracking with me? So I really believe Satan could care less, Scott, whether he controls you from the inside through possession, or if he controls you on the outside because we're feeding on garbage, on stuff that's a part of his demonic world, I don't think he cares. Either way, he gets to influence and control us, and he wins. Let me just beat this down one last thing, time. Huh? In case you're wondering, well, we'll get more specific. okay? You know, if you're, if you're meddling with stuff that involves witches and vampires and zombies and warlocks and psychics, and channelers and palm readers. Here's what God's word says to you. right? Leviticus 19:31. Do not be defiled by that stuff. Don't have anything to do with it. Leviticus 20 and verse six. God says, "I set my face against those who participate with such things." So, so God says, when you're when you're feeding on that stuff, you're not you're not feeding on me. That's not a part of my plan. I'm going to set my face against that kind of garbage. And we can go to the New Testament, Ephesians 6.12. Our struggle in this life is not against flesh and blood. Give me your eyes. We always think our trouble, you can name it, it's my boss. It's it's my neighbor. My my problem is this family member. My problem is this person. Ephesians 6.12 says our struggle is really not against flesh and blood. Ultimately, it's against Satan and his demonic army. Tracking with me? So, so I'm at war as a follower of Christ against Satan and his demonic army, but I kind of like some of the fun stuff that they do, and, and, I, and I like to read and watch and participate and sing and, and just feed on the slop that's a part of Satan's demonic army. Do, do you see the problem? And then we wonder, why is it that it it seems like Satan and his demons are attacking and influencing my life and my family? Here's the principle. You might want to write this down. Okay? Here we go. Uh, I need to grab a hold of this. This is what we can learn, I believe, from here. When you're living daily and strong for Jesus, you can expect on Satan's fiery darts. Just plan on it. And, And... for some reason in our head, Seth, we've thought, well, if I'm living for Jesus, I won't ever have any fiery darts. It, it's, we're, if we're at war and we're actually living strong for Jesus, doesn't it make sense that we should plan on and expect his fiery darts? Ephesians 6.18, it says that the Satan loves to rain down fiery darts on our life, and, and I just want you to know you can plan on it. You, you can expect it. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can plan on the fact that he's going to rain down a lot of darts your way. Uh, let's see how, how it happens here. Verse 18. Uh, is it 18 or 16? Anyway. Uh, yeah. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, met by a female slave, she had a spirit. She predicted the future. Great deal of money. Follows around. She's shouting. And I believe that Paul shows incredible patience here. Did you see how long he puts up with it? How long? Verse 18, many days. I just got to believe, I I would have like, Bob, I I would have like lost it the first hour. She's following me around, yelling, screaming. uh, but, But many days he puts up with it. He says, that's enough. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, come out of her. And the demon spirit Leaves. Did Paul actually just do a good thing for this young girl? What's the answer? Yeah, I mean, she was, she's free. She's been set free. And, and, and suddenly now she's got a, a new life and new opportunities. How, how do you think the slave owners are going to respond now? Okay. Uh, Paul has just cooked their golden goose. Uh, Let's just go back and let's see how they they deal with it. When her owners, verse 19, realized their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace, faced the authorities. Verse 20, they brought them before the magistrates, the judges, and said, These men are Jews and throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Truth is, that's just a bunch of lies and uh, made-up innuendo. None of that was true. Uh, The truth was, you messed with our golden goose, and now we're going to mess with you. That was the reality. Uh, You suddenly now have messed with our wallets, and now we're going to do everything to mess you up. We're going to drag you to court. We're going to sue you. We're going to imprison you. These owners could care less about the slave girl imprisoned by a demon because their hearts were in their wallets. That's the truth. The the thing that that mattered to them was my money, and suddenly now my source of great wealth is gone. Verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. Magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they had been severely flogged, uh, just want to stop for just a minute, um, rods? Anybody familiar with a pool cue? Anybody? Oops. Yes, I actually have, yes. Uh, or think of it in terms, Verlin, maybe a golf shaft. You know, not one with uh, the end on, but uh, the golf shaft, the whip in it. Uh, that's what they were going to be using. And they took a pool cue or a golf shaft and they beat up the backs and the bottoms and the legs of Paul and Silas. Um, What happened to Dr. Luke and Timothy? They were both Gentiles. Maybe because they weren't Jews, they got a free pass. Uh, Maybe they weren't the leaders. Maybe they were off to the side. But for whatever reason... They grab a hold of Paul and Silas and they beat them bloody. Beat them bloody. And now they're thrown into the Philippian jail. Give me your eyes. They've discovered uh, ancient Philippi. You can go there today and see the ruins there. And they actually have discovered the ancient jail. It's, it's really a hole dug out of the side of a hill. Um, it was... A dirty, damp, rat-infested, filthy, stinking disease pit is really what it was, okay? So you got that in your mind? And now Paul and Silas, they're bleeding, they're all sliced up, they're bruised, uh, literally from their necks all the way down to their feet, and now they are shackled, bleeding, and bruised, and they're lying with their feet in stocks in the dirt, I would argue that if anybody had a right to have a little pity party right now, woe is me. (laughs) Lord, what are you doing kind of a time right now? It should be Paul and Silas. If anybody had a reason right now to say, really, Lord, we've traveled a thousand miles to tell these people about you, and, and we live strong for you, and we're talking to everybody about you, and we're doing it your way, and and look, Lord, really? This is what we get in return? We're both bloody messes. I wouldn't blame them if they were bitter and upset. Would you, Henry? I think they had reason. (laughs) Here's, Here's the good news. You ready? When we're living daily and strong and abiding with Jesus and His Spirit, He gives us grace. He gives us strength. He gives us his power and mercy to deal with our time of suffering and pain. Look at verse 25. This is like one of my favorite verses here. It says here, about midnight, bloody, bruised, bleeding, sweating, in chains, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Is that not amazing? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What, what song do you think they were singing, Jim? I think maybe Great is Thy Faithfulness. You know? uh, maybe, maybe the Lord gave it to them before it was actually written. Okay? And they're, they're singing, or it could be Matt Redmond's um, Blessed Be Your Name. We sang that to start this morning. Uh, blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. You give and take away, you give and take away. My heart will choose to say, what do we say? Lord, blessed be your name. <laughs> Even though it's bad, I'm going to choose to sing. And I think, I think they were in great pain. And I think, I think everything about that situation was rotten. And yet they chose to sing and pray. And notice, look back at verse 25. This is really cool. And the other prisoners were listening. I I just want you to know that when we're facing pain and suffering, and yet God's grace and God's mercy and his strength is pouring out, other people around you will notice. Other people will sit up and pay attention. And, And the other prisoners recognize something's going on here. I don't get it, but it's powerful. They were listening. I know right now I'm, I'm thinking, I, I don't think we could do that, Jim. I, I, I think if they came in and started beating us up, and, uh, and they took uh, pool cues and, and Scott just beat us bloody, and now we're sitting over in Charlevoix in the jail, and my feet are up in the air, and, and there's rats running around. And, but here's what you need to know. you ready? The Lord doesn't give you the grace and the mercy until you need it. So it's true. I don't think I got it right now, Henry. I don't think I could do it. But you know what? We don't need it right now. But he'll give us the grace and the mercy when we need it in our time of need. Hebrews 4.16. He'll come through at just the right time. And speaking of just the right time, go back to the text. Look at verse 26. Uh, Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Here's a question. You ready? What do prisoners do when the prison doors fly open? What's the answer? Run! <laughs> Run! <laughs> but because, I, I believe, because of the influence of Paul and Silas, just look what happens. Um, it says, uh, the jailer woke up, he saw the prison doors open and he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. We looked at this a few weeks ago in Acts 12, 18 and 19. Remember when Peter was able to escape out of the jail there in Jerusalem? What did they do to the Roman soldiers who allowed him to escape? Anybody remember? What did they do? They executed him. They killed him. And that was the Roman way. And uh, he knew... uh, if I lose prisoners, uh, I will suffer humiliation and torture, and I will be executed. So he's about to take his sword and, and take his life. And now notice, uh, but Paul shouted, verse 28, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. Is that not cool? I, I, there's, there probably was a part. Go for it, bud. You put us in the stocks. You're you're a part of this system um, and yet they show grace and they show love and they show strength even in the middle of their suffering and their pain. I like that. Verse 29. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, What must I do to be saved? Is that not a good question? Uh, I was about to kill myself, and yet clearly something's up here. You guys all could have ran, but because of you two guys, everyone stayed. Um, I've been listening to your singing all night long. I've heard reports. You're in there praying. Clearly you've got something I need. And this man in his moment of crisis opened up his heart, his mind, to Jesus, to what Paul and Silas had. And here's the principle. Listen here. Come here, guys. When people are in crisis, they're like wide open to hear about Jesus. So the people around you who are in financial trouble right now, please know oftentimes that's the greatest time when someone's in the middle of a marriage crisis when someone is having a health crisis, when someone is having difficulty on the job, uh, in, in their personal relationships, that's oftentimes the best time. Their hearts are soft. They realize, I've hit the bottom. They're wide open to Jesus. And uh, right now, how can I be saved? How can I have what you have? And verse 31 of Acts 16 is one of the most important verses in the book of Acts. Matter of fact, this, this might be one of the most important verses in, in all of the New Testament. The question is, what must I do to be saved? And the answer, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. You want to say that with me? Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. And then he says, not just you, but your entire family. Um, you must believe Jesus for yourself. Grandma can't do that for you. Mama can't do that for you. Wife or husband, mom or dad, no, the only person that can believe Jesus for you is you. And make Jesus your own through faith in him. And I love the fact Paul doesn't offer him a religious system. Okay, now, you've got to do these Rules and these regulations, and you got to do it all this way. Instead, he presents a savior, a personal relationship with a savior, and, and and here's what you must do to be saved. And, and he explains about Jesus to him. So two men, bleeding, bloody, in pain, suffering, and their grace shines bright through the jailer. And his entire family. Look at verse 32. Um, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him, to the jailer, and to all the others in the house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Isn't that nice? Uh, now suddenly he's caring about their, 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 uh, their backs and their necks and their bottoms and their legs. Um, and then immediately he and all his household were what? The ancient ruins, if you go there today, just a short walk from the jail is, is a river. And good chance, they just all walked down to the river and uh, got baptized. They said, you know, we've become followers of Jesus. The entire family has heard the word of God, heard about Jesus, and now they all go public with the fact that they love Jesus. Um, Acts 38:36. the Ethiopian eunuch is now... Listening to Philip, remember that a few weeks ago, and now he tells him about Jesus. He says yes to Jesus. He's in the chariot, and they drive by water, and the guy says, uh, "Stop, uh, Philip. Is there any reason I can't be baptized?" Philip says, "No." And it says, "And they went, and they went down in the water, and the Ethiopian eunuch was baptized. Went public with the fact that he loved Jesus." Listen close. Some of you have said yes to Jesus, but you've never completed the process. You go and you preach, and then we go public with it. And how do we go public with the fact that I'm a follower of Jesus? And what's the answer? You get baptized. I go public with the fact I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm identifying with his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection from the dead. That's how we do it. And I just want you to know, we're going to do that again this summer, and you need to start praying. Lord, is it time for me to go public? And the Lord used the pain and the suffering of Paul and Silas to powerfully impact an entire jail cell, an entire family of the jailer. We're almost done. This is kind of cool. Uh, Paul and Silas now, uh, they've lived daily and strong for Jesus. They've been faithful and... uh, Notice what happens next, verse 37. Uh, Back up to verse 35. But When it was daylight, the magistrates, the judges, sent their officers to the jailer with the order, um, release those men. The jailer told Paul, uh, the judges, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave, go in peace. Thank you for leading me to Christ. Now look what Paul says. But Paul said to the officers, uh, Excuse me, but they beat us publicly without a trial. Uh, they didn't even ask that we are Roman citizens. They threw us into prison, and now they want to get rid of us quietly? <laughs> no. Let them come themselves and escort us out. Isn't that kind of fun? I, I like that. He, he says, No, no. If you did it all publicly, now you're going to release us publicly. We are going to be vindicated and cleared and set free in a public manner. Verse 38, the officers reported this to the magistrates. When they heard Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they said, "Uh uh-oh, we're alarmed. They came to the jail to appease them. They escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave. We're really sorry. We shouldn't have done what we did. Uh, Can you just go? Just... Just just head on out. Um, and after Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they said, uh, we'll, we'll leave when we're ready. Uh, went to Lydia's house. I think they probably had lunch. Got a few more purple things. When they met with the brothers and sisters, encouraged them. And then they leave. Are you ready? You live strong for Jesus. You go through some really hard, painful stuff. But here's the cool thing, you ready? In due time, God will vindicate you. And I know some of you, you've been through some horrible stuff. Some of you've had family members steal from you. Some of you've had business partners. What are you doing? They suddenly become an enemy. Suddenly there's a lawsuit. Some of you've had people say horrible things that weren't true about you. You, You've been cheated out of what belonged to you. Or people make up this goofy stuff and now they're, they're attacking you for little or no thing. Here's what you need to know. You ready? The Lord will vindicate his people in due time. Psalm 24, verse 5. Godly people will be vindicated and delivered by me, God says. Psalm 43. Vindicate me, O God. Defend my God. My, my God and my cause. Uh, vindication is the reversal in life. Okay? You've, you've suffered. It's not been fair. And now God turns it all around and the truth is shown and you're set free. You see that happening here with Paul and Silas. I just want you to know, for us today, there will be a day when the Lord will right all the wrongs. There will be a day. It may be in this life or it might be in the life to come. But here's what I want you to know. The God we serve, he is just, he is righteous, he is awesome, and he will balance the scales in due time. And you see that in verse 39. They get the apology and, oh, we're really, really sorry. Uh, You can leave now. So, what's the takeaway from Acts 16 for us? I'm to give you three things uh, real quick. So if you're taking notes, here we go. First takeaway from Acts chapter 16. You're a faithful follower of Christ. You're living daily for Jesus. First thing, plan on, expect fiery darts and flaming arrows from Satan and his demonic army. You can plan on it. Why? Because you're a threat. If you're living daily strong for Jesus, suddenly now you are a threat to his satanic, demonic territory. So suddenly now, he has every reason to want to mess with you. Uh, Arrows of temptation. Your weak spot. And frankly, we all have weak spots. We all have entangling, besetting sins. And your weak spot is different from mine. And my weak spot is different from yours. But here's the truth. He's going to try to hit you in your weak spot. And if he catches you, and uh, you're now living strong, and he can get you off to the side, and now you're feasting on sin, you're besetting and tangling sin, you're no longer a threat. Make sense? Uh, Fiery darts of discouragement. And have you ever noticed, sometimes when you open the mail, you're in pretty good mood, and suddenly now you're, you're staring at a letter or a bill, and suddenly now, I'm not in such a good mood. I'm just discouraged. And, and maybe it's your finances, maybe it's your children, maybe it's your job. Uh, but as you walk daily strong with Jesus, I promise you, at times the enemy is going to fire in and he's going to try to discourage you. Or it, it could just be with an arrow of trouble and confusion. and You're trying to walk strong with Christ and now the situation changed and it just seems like confusion is all around you. Here's Satan's, let me just show you, this is his mode of operation. He's going to try to fire darts at you and your life and get you doubting and upset and angry with the Lord. And oftentimes, I've got the on here, Ephesians 6.18. Okay? This is the big Roman shield. Remember, and they would fire thousands of fiery darts, and you would hide behind the Roman shield. You know, it'd be about six feet tall, and you'd hide behind it. But now I'm doubting, and I'm upset, and I'm confused, and I'm angry, and, and suddenly now I drop my Thoron, and now I walk away from Jesus, who is our Thoron, and now what am I? What am I now? You are a sitting duck. <laughs> Do you see the problem? He's really good, you know, when we should be holding on tightest and abiding and connected the most. Now I'm upset and I'm tired. Why are you allowing this? I'm throwing my little pity party and now I really am going to catch a fiery dart and everything's on fire penny. He's really smart. Second, if you're faithful walking strong with Jesus daily, there will be seasons of pain and suffering. There will be seasons of pain and suffering. Um, I just heard Andy Stanley recently, um, and uh, here's what he said. Those who say, live strong for Jesus, do it God's way, have enough faith, and the Lord will insulate you and you'll never have trials or trouble or suffering, that's not biblical Christianity. That's magic hocus pocus. He's exactly right. It's like, it's like, where did they get that? that? That's nowhere in God's Word. That's certainly not what we see here with Paul and Silas. That's not what Jesus experienced in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So that, that's just goofy stuff. I promise you, if you walk strong with Christ, we're going to have times of pain and difficulty and suffering. But here's what you need to know. you ready? During those times of need... He gives you the grace and the mercy and the strength to get you right through that season. That's biblical Christianity. It's not that I'm never going to have it. It's that when I'm going through those times, He promises grace and mercy and strength, Hebrews 4.16, in our times of need. That's the promise we need to grab a hold of. So if you're there today, And you're in one of those places, and you're saying, man, this is like the season for pain and suffering for me right now. Here's what you need to know. Lord, um, I don't understand why I'm going through this. Don't particularly like it. But Lord, here's what I want you to know. You're God, and I'm not. And you have a plan, and I trust your plan right now. And I submit myself even to your plan. And I would encourage you, say it out loud. Lord, I submit myself even to the plan that encourages, that, that includes, excuse me, suffering and pain. But, but Lord, I'm going to hold on tight and I'm even going to sing to you. You get it? Well, I don't feel like singing. We'll sing anyway. That's what they did, right? They, they, were, they were praying and they were submitting and they were singing. And some of us are thinking, but, but if I don't feel like it, I'm not going to do it, Pastor Jeff. Listen closely. We get our feelings in front and we've got a problem. Because if you're waiting for your feelings to make you want to go to work, Henry, most days I don't feel like going to work. How about you? Uh, Most days I don't feel like walking and exercising. Most days I don't feel like doing almost anything, right? In other areas you don't do this. I'm just telling you, biblically, Lord, I submit myself to you, I surrender, and now I'm going to do The biblical thing, I'm going to surrender, and I'm even going to sing. You give and take away, my heart will choose to say, and here's what you need to know. In due time, guess what? The feelings will follow. But you don't let the feelings lead. They make an awful engine. Feelings make a pretty good caboose, okay? Good caboose. Uh, Third, and we're done. Uh, When we're walking strong and daily with King Jesus, the great reversal is coming. Okay? Some of us will experience some great reversals and vindications in this life, but here's what you need to know: but all of us will see God work perfectly, justly, powerfully, and, and He'll really straighten up all of, of the columns. He's the perfect judge, just fair, good. He's going to make it right. Some of you've been hurt and harmed and wronged and cheated and stolen from. Are you ready? God will vindicate you. And in the meantime, Psalm 27, 14, one of my favorite psalms, t- Psalm 27, here's how it concludes. You ready? Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and in case I didn't get it to you the first time, and wait for the Lord. Isn't that fun? Wait for the Lord, be strong, take heart, and keep waiting. Because the Lord is awesome, and he will vindicate you, either in this life, we're in the life to come. Bow your head, shut your eyes as we close. Um, I, I suspect that some of you here today are uh, getting rained on with fiery darts and flaming arrows. Um, could be in the form of temptation, could be in, in the form of discouragement, trouble, confusion, um, Satan is doing everything he can to get you angry and to wander away from walking and abiding and staying close to Jesus. Please know that your shield, uh, what the Lord has given you to protect us from the fiery arrows and darts, is Jesus. And we run, and we hide, and we abide, and we stay close, and we live strong. And, And when the arrows are flying, that's the worst time to wander away. Work extra hard to stay connected. If you're in the middle of a season of pain and suffering, Hebrews 4.16 is your promise today. The Lord promises His grace and mercy and strength in your time of need. Will you submit to His plan even if it hurts? And you need to say it. Lord, I, I surrender and I submit to your plan, I don't necessarily like it. I don't understand it. But, Lord, I submit, and I'm even going to sing it. And you can choose, great is thy faithfulness, or you could choose, uh, blessed be your name. You find the song that fits you, but, but, Lord, I'm going to sing it just like they did in Acts 16. And finally, Lord, um, we trust your plan. We trust your plan. You're awesome, and vindication and justice are coming in due time and we face lots of wrongs and hurts and harms and uh, here's the good news either here on earth or in the life to come the good and just and fair and mighty God of the universe will vindicate you he'll make the wrongs right that's the God we serve thanks for being awesome we love you thank you for the good stuff we can learn from your word. Lord, I pray for my friends. Some of them here right now are right in the middle of some really tough stuff. Do amazing and awesome stuff. May we shine just as bright as Paul and Silas did in that jail cell in this week ahead. It's in Jesus' name we pray.